0: Book 13 Ithaca at Last. His tale was over now. The Phaeacians all fell silent, hushed, his story holding them spellbound down the shadowed halls, until Alcinous found the poise to say, Odysseus, now that you have come to my bronze floored house, my vaulted roofs, I know you won't be driven off your course. Nothing can hold you back, however much you've suffered you'll sail home. Here, friends, here's a command for one and all. You who frequent my palace day and night and drink the shining wine of kings and enjoy the harper's songs. The robes and hammered gold and hall of other gifts you lords of our island council brought our guest, all I packed in his polished sea chest now. Come, each of us add a sumptuous tripod, add a cauldron, then recover our costs with levies on the people. It's hard to afford such bounty man by man. The king's instructions met with warm applause, and home they went to sleep, each in his own house. When young Dawn with her rose-red fingers shone once more, they hurried down to the ship with handsome bronze gifts, and striding along the decks, the ardent king Alcinous stowed them under the benches, ship-shape, so nothing could foul the crewmen tugging at their oars. Then back the party went to Alcinous's house and shared a royal feast. The majestic king slaughtered an ox for them to Cronus's mighty son, Zeus of the Thundercloud, whose power rules the world. They burned the thighs and fell to the lordly banquet, reveling there, while in their midst the inspired bard struck up a song, Demodocus prized by all the people. True, but time and again Odysseus turned his face toward the radiant sun, anxious for it to set, yearning now to be gone and home once more. As a man aches for his evening meal when all day long his brace of wine-dark oxen have dragged the bolted ploughshare down a fallow field, how welcome the setting sun to him, the going home to supper, yes, though his knees buckle, struggling home at last. So welcome now to Odysseus, the setting light of day and he lost no time as he pressed Phaeacia's men who loved their oars, addressing his host, Alcinous, first and foremost. Alcinous, majesty, shining among your island people, make your libations, launch me safely on my way, to one and all, farewell. All is now made good, my heart's desire, your convoy home, your precious loving gifts, and may the gods of Olympus bless them for me. May I find an unswerving wife when I reach home. And loved ones hail, unharmed, and you, my friends, remaining here in your kingdom now. May you delight in your loyal wives and children. May the gods rain down all kinds of fortune on your lives. Misfortune never harbor in your homeland. All burst into applause, urging passage home for their parting guest. His farewell rang so true. Hallowed King Alcinous briskly called his herald, Come, Pontonous, mix the wine in the bowl. Pour rounds to all our banqueters in the house, so we, with a prayer to mighty Zeus the Father, can sail our new friend home to native land. Pontonous mixed the heady, honeyed wine, and hovering closely poured full rounds for all, and from where they sat they tipped libations out to the happy gods who rule the vaulting skies. Then King Odysseus rose up from his seat, and placing his two-eared cup in Aureti's hands, addressed the queen with parting wishes on the wing. Your health, my queen, through all your days to come, until old age and death that visit all mankind, pay you a visit too. Now I am on my way, but you, may you take joy in this house of yours, in your children, your people, in Alcinous. The King. With that the great Odysseus strode across the threshold, and King Alcinous sent the herald off with the guest, to lead him down to the swift ship and foaming surf. And Arete sent her serving women one to carry a sea cloak, washed and fresh, a shirt as well, another sign to bear the sturdy chest, and a third to take the bread and ruddy wine. When they reached the ship at the water's edge, the royal escorts took charge of the gifts at once, and stores of food and wine stowed them deep in the holds, and then for their guest they spread out rug and sheets on the half-deck, clear astern on the ship's hull, so he might sleep there soundly, undisturbed. And last Odysseus climbed aboard himself, and down he lay, all quiet, as crewmen sat to the oarlocks each in line. They slipped the cable free of the drilled stone post, and soon as they swung back and the blades tossed up the spray, an irresistible sleep fell deeply on his eyes, the sweetest, soundest oblivion, still as the sleep of death itself and the ship, like a four-horse team, careering down the plain, all breaking as one with a whiplash, cracking smartly, leaping with hoofs high to run the course in no time, so the stern hove high and plunged, with the seething rollers crashing dark in her wake, as on she surged, unwavering, never flagging, no, not even a darting hawk, the quickest thing on wings could keep her pace, as on she ran, cutting the swells at top speed, bearing a man equipped with the gods' own wisdom one who had suffered twenty years of torment, sick at heart, cleaving his way through wars of men and pounding waves at sea, but now he slept in peace, the memory of his struggles laid to rest. And then, that hour the star rose up, the clearest, brightest star that always heralds the newborn light of day, the deep-sea-going ship made landfall on the island. It's the cur, at last. There on the coast a haven lies, named for Forces, the old god of the deep, with two jutting headlands, sheared off at the seaward side, but shelving toward the bay, that break the great waves whipped by the gales outside, so within the harbour ships can ride unmoored whenever they come in mooring range of shore. At the harbour's head a branching olive stands, with a welcome cave nearby it, dank with sea mist, sacred to nymphs of the springs we call the naiads. There are mixing bowls inside, and double-handled jars, crafted of stone, and bees store up their honey in the hollows. There are long stone looms as well, where the nymphs weave out their webs from clouds of sea-blue wool, a marvellous sight, and a wellspring flows forever. The cave has two ways in, one facing the north wind, a pathway down for mortals, the other facing the south, belongs to the gods. No man may go that way. It is the path for all the deathless powers. Here at this bay the Phaeacian crew put in, they'd known it long before. Driving the ship so hard she ran up onto the beach for a good half her length, such way the oarsman's brawny arms had made. Up from the benches, swinging down to land, first they lifted Odysseus off the decks, linen and lustrous carpet too, and laid him down on the sand, asleep, still dead to the world. Then hoisted out the treasures proud Phaeacians, urged by open hearted Pallas, had lavished on him, setting out for home. They heaped them all by the olive's trunk in a neat pile, clear of the road, for fear some passer by might spot and steal Odysseus's hoard before he could waken. Then pushing off, They pulled for home themselves. But now Poseidon, god of the earthquake, never once forgetting the first threats he leveled at the hero, probed almighty Zeus to learn his plans in full. Zeus, father, I will lose all my honor now among the immortals, now there are mortal men who show me no respect. Phaeacians, too, born of my own loins. I said myself that Odysseus would suffer long and hard before he made it home, but I never dreamed of blocking his return, not absolutely at least, once you had pledged your word and bowed your head. But now they've swept him across the sea in their swift ship, they've set him down in Ithaca sound asleep, and loaded the man with boundless gifts, bronze, and hordes of gold and robes. Aye, more plunder than he could ever have won from Troy if Odysseus had returned intact with his fair share. Incredible, Zeus, who marshals the Thunderheads, replied. Earthshaker, you with your massive power, why moaning so? The gods don't disrespect you. What a stir they'd be if they flung abuse at the oldest, noblest of them all. Those mortals, if any man so lost in his strength and prowess pays you no respect, just pay him back. The power is always yours. Do what you like. Whatever warms your heart, King of the Dark Cloud, the Earthquake God agreed. I'd like to avenge myself at once, as you advise. But I've always feared your wrath and shied away. But now I'll crush that fine, and cutter on the misty sea. Now on our homeward run from the latest convoy, they will learn at last to cease and desist from escorting every man alive. I'll pile a huge mountain round about their port. Wait, dear brother. Zeus, who collects the clouds, had second thoughts. Here's what seems best to me. As the people all lean down from the city heights to watch her speeding home, strike her into a rock that looks like a racing vessel just offshore. Amaze all men with a marvel for the ages. Then pile your huge mountain round about their port. Hearing that from Zeus, the god of the earthquake sped to Scurianar the Phaeacians' island home, and waited there, till the ship came sweeping in, scudding lightly along, and surging close abreast, the Earthquake God, with one flat stroke of his hand, struck her to stone, rooted her to the ocean floor, and made for open sea. The Phaeacians aghast, those lords of the long oars, the master mariners, traded startled glances, sudden outcries, Look, who's pinned our swift ship to the sea? Just racing for home. Just hove into plain view. They might well wonder, blind to what had happened, till Alcinous rose and made things all too clear. Oh, no, my father's prophecy years ago... It all comes home to me with a vengeance now. He'd say Poseidon was vexed with us because we escorted all mankind and never came to grief. He said that one day, as a well-built ship of ours sailed home on the misty sea from such a convoy, the gods would crush it, yes, and pile a huge mountain round about our port. So the old king foretold. Now look, it all comes true. Hurry, friends, do as I say, let us all comply. Stop our convoys home for every castaway chancing on our city. As for Poseidon, sacrifice twelve bulls to the god at once, the pick of the herds, perhaps he'll pity us, pile no looming mountain ridge around our port. The people, terrified, prepared the bulls at once. So all of Phaeacia's island lords and captains milling round the altar lifted prayers to Poseidon, master of the sea. That very moment Great Odysseus woke from sleep on native ground at last. He'd been away for years, but failed to know the land. For the goddess Pallas Athena, Zeus's daughter, showered mist over all, so under cover she might change his appearance head to foot, as she told him every peril he'd meet at home, keep him from being known by wife, townsmen, friends, till the suitors paid the price for all their outrage and so to the king himself all Ithaca looked strange. The winding beaten paths, the coves where ships can ride, the steep rock face of the cliffs and the tall leafy trees. He sprang to his feet, and scanning his own native country, groaned, slapped his thighs with his flat palms, and Odysseus cried in anguish, Man of misery, whose land have I lit on now? What are they here, violent, savage, lawless, or friendly to strangers, God-fearing men? Where can I take this heap of treasure now, and where in the world do I wander off myself? If only the trove had stayed among the Phaeacians there, and I had made my way to some other mighty king who would have hosted me well and sent me home. But now I don't know where to stow all this, and I can't leave it here inviting any bandit to rob me blind. So damn those lords and captains, those Phaeacians, not entirely honest or upright, were they? Sweeping me off to this, this no-man's land? And they, they swore they'd sail me home to sunny Ithaca. Well, they never kept their word. Zeus of the suppliants pay them back. He keeps an eye on the world of men and punishes all transgressors. Come, quickly, I'll inspect my treasure and count it up myself. Did they make off with anything in their ship? With that he counted up the gorgeous tripods, cauldrons, bars of gold, and the lovely woven robes. Not a stitch was missing from the lot. But still he wept for his native country, trailing down the shore where the wash of sea on shingle ebbs and flows, his homesick heart in turmoil. But now Athena appeared and came toward him, She looked like a young man, a shepherd boy, yet elegant too, with all the gifts that grace the sons of kings, with a well-cut cloak falling in folds across her shoulders, sandals under her shining feet, a hunting spear in hand. Odysseus, overjoyed at the sight, went up to meet her, joining her now with salutations on the wing. "'Greetings, friend! Since you are the first I've come on in this harbour, treat me kindly. No cruelty, please!' Save these treasures, save me, too. I pray to you, like a god, I fall before your knees and ask your mercy. And tell me this for a fact I need to know. Where on earth am I? What land? Who lives here? Is it one of the sunny islands, or some jutting shore of the good green mainland slanting down to sea? Athena answered, her eyes brightening now. You must be a fool, stranger, or come from nowhere, if you really have to ask what land this is. Trust me, it's not so nameless, after all. It's known the world around, to all who live to the east and rising sun, and to all who face the western, mists and darkness. It's a rugged land, too cramped for driving horses, but though it's far from broad, it's hardly poor. There's plenty of grain for bread, grapes for wine, the rains never fail, and the dew falls healthy. Good country for goats, good for cattle, too. There's stand-on-stand of timber, and water runs in stream-beds through the year. So, stranger, the name of Ithaca's reached as far as Troy, and Troy, they say, is a long, hard sail from Greece. Ithaca. Heart racing, Odysseus, that great exile, filled with joy to hear Athena, daughter of storming Zeus, pronounce that name. He stood on native ground at last and he replied with a winging word to Pallas, not with a word of truth. He choked it back, always invoking the cunning in his heart. Ithaca. Yes, I seem to have heard of Ithaca. Even on Crete's broad island far across the sea, and now I've reached it myself with all this loot. But I left behind an equal measure for my children. I'm a fugitive now, you see. I killed Idomeneus's son, Ossilochus lightning on his legs, a man who beat all runners alive on that long island. What a racer! He tried to rob me of all the spoil I'd won at Troy, the plunder I went to Helen back to capture, true, cleaving my way through wars of men and waves at sea, and just because I refused to please his father, serve under him at Troy. I let my own command, so now with a friend I lay in wait by the road. I killed him just loping in from the fields with one quick stroke of my bronze spear in the dead of night, the heavens pitch black. No one could see us, spot me tearing out his life with a weapon honed for action. Once I'd cut him down, I made for a ship and begged the Phoenician crew for mercy, paying those decent hands a hearty share of plunder, asked them to take me on and land me down in Pylos. There, o lovely Elis, where Epians rule in power, but a heavy gale wind blew them way off course, much against their will. They'd notice that to cheat me. Driven afar, we reached this island here at the midnight hour, rowing for dear life. We made it into your harbour. Not a thought of supper, much as we all craved food. We dropped from the decks and lay down, just like that. "'A welcome sleep came over my weary bones at once "'while the crew hoisted up my loot from the holes "'and set it down on the sand near where I slept. "'They re-embarked, now homeward bound, "'for Sidon, their own noble city, "'leaving me here behind. "'Homesick in my heart.' "'As his story ended, goddess Athena, "'gray eyes gleaming, broke into a smile "'and stroked him with her hand, "'and now she appeared a woman, beautiful, tall, and skilled at weaving lovely things. Her words went flying straight toward Odysseus. Any man, any god who met you, would have to be some champion lying cheat to get past you for all round craft and guile, you terrible man, foxy, ingenious, never tired of twists and tricks. So not even here. On native soil would you give up those wily tales that warm the cockles of your heart. Come enough of this now. We're both old hands at the arts of intrigue. Here among mortal men you're far the best at tactics, spinning yarns, and I am famous among the gods for wisdom, cunning wiles too. Ah, but you never recognized me, did you? Pallas Athena, daughter of Zeus? always stands beside you, shields you in every exploit. Thanks to me, the Phaeacians all embraced you warmly, and now I'm here once more to weave a scheme with you and to hide the treasure trove Phaeacia's nobles lavished on you then. I willed it, planned it so, when you set out for home, and to tell you all the trials you must suffer in your palace, endure them all. You must, you have no choice, and to no one no man, no woman, not a soul. Reveal that you are the wanderer, home at last. Know in silence you must bear a world of pain. Subject yourself to the cruel abuse of men. Ah, goddess, the cool tactician countered. You're so hard for a mortal man to know on sight. However shrewd he is, the shapes you take are endless. But I do know this. You were kind to me in the war years so long as we men of Achaea soldiered on at Troy. But once we'd sacked King Priam's craggy city, boarded ship, and a god dispersed the fleet, from then on, daughter of Zeus, I never saw you. Never glimpsed you striding along my decks to ward off some disaster. No, I wandered on, my heart forever torn to pieces inside my chest, till the gods released me from my miseries at last. That day in the fertile kingdom of Phaeacia, when you cheered me with words in person, led me to their city. But now I beg you, by your almighty father's name, for I can't believe I've reached my sunny Ithaca. I must be roaming around one more exotic land. You're mocking me, I know it, telling me tales to make me lose my way. Tell me the truth now. Have I really reached the land I love? Always the same, your wary turn of mind, Athena exclaimed, her glances flashing warmly. That's why I can't forsake you in your troubles. You are so winning, so worldly-wise, so self-possessed. Anyone else, come back from wandering long and hard, would have hurried home at once, delighted to see his children and his wife. Oh, but not you. It's not your pleasure to probe for news of them. You must put your wife to the proof yourself. But she... She waits in your halls, as always, her life an endless hardship, wasting away the nights, weeping away the days. I never had doubts myself, no, I knew down deep that you would return at last, with all your shipmates lost. But I could not bring myself to fight my father's brother, Poseidon, quaking with anger at you, still enraged because you blinded the Cyclops, his dear son. But come let me show you Ithaca's setting. I'll convince you. This haven, look around. It's named for Phorsese, the old god of the deep. And here at the harbour's head, the branching olive stands, with the welcome cave nearby it, dank with sea mist, sacred to nymphs of the spring we call the naiads. Here under its arching vault, time and again, you'd offer the nymphs a generous sacrifice to bring success. And the slopes above you, look, Mount Niriton, decked in forests. At those words the goddess scattered the mist and the country stood out clear, and the great man who had borne so much rejoiced at last, thrilled to see his Ithaca, kissed the good green earth, and raised his hands to the nymphs and prayed at once, nymphs of the springs, naiads, daughters of Zeus, I never dreamed I would see you yet again. Now rejoice in my loving prayers, and later, just like the old days, I will give you gifts. If Athena, Zeus's daughter, queen of armies, comes to my rescue, grants this fight a life, and brings my son to manhood. Courage, goddess Athena answered, eyes of fire. Free your mind of all that anguish now. Come, quick, let's bury your treasures, here in some recess of this haunted, hollowed cave, where they'll be safe and sound. Then we'll make plans, so we can win the day. With that, the goddess swept into the cavern's shadowed vault, searching for hiding places far inside its depths, while Odysseus hauled his treasures closer up, the gold, durable bronze, and fine-spun robes, the Phaeacian's parting gifts. Once he'd stowed them well away, the goddess Pallas Athena, daughter of storming Zeus, sealed the mouth of the cavern with a stone. Then down they sat by the sacred olive's trunk to plot the death of the high and mighty suitors. The bright-eyed goddess Athena led the way. Royal son of Laertes, Odysseus, old campaigner, think how to lay your hands on all those brazen suitors, lording it over your house now three whole years, courting your noble wife, offering gifts to win her. But she, forever broken-hearted for your return, builds up each man's hopes, dangling promises, dropping hints to each, but all the while with something else in mind. God help me, the man of intrigue broke out. Clearly I might have died the same ignoble death as Agamemnon. Bled white in my own house too, if you had never revealed this to me now, goddess, blow by blow. Come, weave us a scheme so I can pay them back. You stand beside me, fire me with daring, fierce as the day we ripped Troy's glittering crown of towers down. Stand by me, furious now as then my bright-eyed one, and I would fight three hundred men, great goddess, with you to brace me, comrade-in-arms in in battle. Book Thirteen Ithaca at Last His tale was over now. The Phaeacians all fell silent, hushed his story holding them spellbound down the shadowed halls, until Alcinous found the poise to say, Odysseus, now that you have come to my bronze-floored house, my vaulted roofs, I know you won't be driven off your course, nothing can hold you back, however much you've suffered, you'll sail home.